The Group, Session 12. Trixie was first to arrive. She was dressed differently from her usual look. She wore track pants and a form-fitting top with a scarf. Her hair was out and undone and her makeup was minimal. Her high-heeled boots were gone, replaced by running shoes. Hello, she said, smiling at Nova before taking her seat. Nova was interested to see the change and wondered about the amount of curiosity this may stir in the group tonight. The rest of the group gathered in time as usual and took their seats as Nova joined them all. Welcome, everyone, she said as the group began their work together. Well, this is a new look, Paul said to Trixie as he checked her out. Trixie smiled. Yes, I had the day off today, so I didn't think I would have to get all tizzed up just for you guys, she said, feeling a little exposed. I like it, Paul said, smiling. Trixie smiled a little self-consciously. Thanks, Paul, she said coyly. Nova noticed Trixie's response to Paul's remark. Something had been shifting between them for a couple of weeks now, and she wondered if the other group members sensed Trixie's attraction to Paul, too. Paul turned to Dolly. I've been wondering, now that Bob's back, if you leave that cage door open a little for him to fly about freely, to come and go as he pleases, or if he's now under house arrest, Paul asked. And what about Anne? Is she making any special appearances? He smiled. Dolly laughed. Anne is nowhere to be seen, Paul. Thank you very much. Dolly said, turning up her nose, then smiled a little, adding, And as for Bob, there's no special secret trick to my dog, Paul. If he stays, good. If he flies, so be it. Dolly replied matter-of-factly. Helena looked about. Who is Anne? Helena asked. Dolly shook her head. Oh, I can't explain it all again. You missed it because you weren't here. Something came up, remember? Dolly replied with a hint of contempt. Dolly, I wonder if you're punishing Helena by withholding information for not explaining her absence to you last fortnight, Nova asked. Nova, I'm not punishing anyone. If Helena had something more important to do, well, I can't help that. It's not like someone is taking minutes for us to recount everything that's uttered here, Dolly quipped. But Tony looked concerned. So, Dolly, I feel like you might be wanting us to keep it from Helena. How do we work together if there's something we can't share? It was such an important thing you shared with us all. It helped me understand you, Dolly. It was really moving. 
and particularly when you describe being a kid and what happened. It's important, Tony shared as the others nodded in agreement. Dolly pursed her lips defiantly and looked toward Nova. There seems to be a standoff here, Nova said. Dolly, it appears you're withholding information as a way of evening the score. I know it was a difficult session for you to share all you did, to begin to trust this space and everyone here. I wonder if this is also a pattern that plays out at home and work. Dolly looked confused. What do you mean, she asked. If people go missing for whatever reason, why is it up to me to keep everyone on board? You snooze, you lose, she snapped. So does your husband have to play catch-up too, somehow trying to figure out what's been happening while he's been away, Trixie asked. Well, he shouldn't have left if it's so important for him to know what's been going on, Dolly replied. Helena moved uncomfortably in her chair, feeling left out of knowing something important that had been explored in group. Helena tended to blame herself and believed Dolly was right. It was her just desserts for not attending that week. She felt excluded, just like she did in her family. So, when you finished the session last week, saying you were mixing things up a bit in your relationship by offering more than crackers, I wonder what that means, Paul asked. Dolly softened a little. Well, I mean we talked. We talked about the name calling. I told him I was going to stop calling him names. I get it. And he said he was going to stop leaving everything to me. You know, we're trying to find a way. So is that your currency, Paul asked. Dolly was interested. What do you mean my currency? Paul continued, Well, we've talked about Reg and how he keeps people in his world with money as he's not sure he can trust they will still be around. I think he said he wasn't ready to take the risk of being enough without it. I know this is different. I'm wondering if you are a shrewd businesswoman too, like someone has something you need or want and you bargain with them by finding something they want and you trade it, tit for tat. And Dolly raised her eyebrows as she listened. I think I should be paying you, Paul, not Nova. She smiled cheekily at him as Paul laughed. Trixie bristled a little, feeling a pang of jealousy. Dolly, I think if any one of us had said that, you would be jumping on us. But Paul can seem to say anything, and you don't seem bothered. Feels that you like his interest in you more than us. Trixie explained. Dolly frowned. What are you saying, Trixie? I don't play favorites, she said angrily. Hmm. So, Trixie, you feel Dolly is more open to hearing Paul than you? Nova asked. Trixie suddenly felt self-conscious. Well, I suppose, I don't know. Trixie noticed Paul interested in what she was saying, and she immediately felt too seen by him. Uh, maybe it's just Paul's way. Everyone likes him. I suppose he gets away with all sorts of things in the real world, Trixie replied. Tony nodded. Yeah, I agree. Paul's so relaxed all the time. I guess he has that special ingredient of being able to come and go in people's lives without much accountability. 
Is it because he's an artist and everyone expects he's on a different plane from the rest of us? Like the ordinary rules don't apply? Nova listened. Tony, I would like you to speak directly to Paul about these assumptions you have of him and explore what it might be like for him to hear this understanding, Nova directed. So sorry, Paul, Tony said. I don't mean to speak about you while you're sitting right here. I suppose I'm still learning to speak directly about my wish to be more like you. Paul felt surprised. More like me? Tony, I've been under the radar my whole life. Maybe that's what you're picking up on. I suppose it's how I cope with the world, Paul shared. Tony nodded. I know you're a sensitive and intuitive guy, but you're so non-judgmental about people. I can't imagine you ever getting angry with anyone, Tony shared. Paul thought, then said, Oh, I feel anger, but it's not at individuals. It's the man I'm angry at. All those fuckwits that determine who's got what and when. All the bullshit about keeping the rich rich and the poor poor. It's a fucking disgrace. Paul turned to Reginald. No offense to you, Reg, but fucking hell. All that money you wrap yourself up in has consequences for others, you know. I'm learning it's all part of people's need for security, but when it comes to those massive corporations, the fucking greed kills me. It killed Dave. Paul looked down at the floor as he remembered. They let that happen. Why is that acceptable? For fuck's sake, we let people die like dogs in the street and step over their running corpses as we complain of the smell. It's a fucking disgrace. Paul shook his head as he thought of his friend. Paul began to feel emotional and let himself cry. I knew he was in trouble. I didn't let him in. This girl I was seeing was on me about tidying up my life. Guess I was drinking too much and I had some pieces stolen. Anyway, he died. He was wearing rags, you know, cold and drunk. Someone had picked his pockets while he lay there dead in the park, likely another scavenger, desperate for food and drink to soften their own pain. There's more I could have done. So you say I'm blasé about small things? Perhaps. But look at the big shit that's going on around us. Fuck, Paul wiped his eyes. It's just that this world is so fucking brutal. Nitpicking about shit glides over me, I guess, Paul explained. So it feels like we're all nitpicking shit? Is that what you think of us? Helena asked. Paul sighed deeply. No, no, I don't guess it's just easier for me to stay angry at the man and blame him for all that isn't right. I suppose it keeps me from getting close to people, too. I feel people so intensely, their pain. I shift back to protesting about bigger things. Have you ever fallen in love, Paul? Trixie asked. Paul looked into Trixie's eyes as he remembered. Yes. I was 23. She was magic. She said I was too intense for her. I painted her many times. She was beautiful, but she couldn't give herself to me only. She was young and liked the attention. She told me once she would have stayed if only I fought for her. But that's not me. 
She wanted me to be the kind of guy that owns their partner and fights off any rivals. She thought I didn't care enough. She would go out with other guys to try and stir me up, you know, to ignite the anger in me. She knew where to find me. I loved her, but not the way she wanted me to, Paul shared. So what happened, Trixie asked. What happened to her? Paul looked at everyone as he remembered. Uh, I, I don't think that's my story to tell, but I'll never forget her. So do you want someone to get closer to you, Paul? Tony asked. It would be nice, but my lifestyle is kind of inhibitive. My relationships never last. I often have lovers that become jealous of my work. Initially, they see themselves and are curious. I suppose I offer a reflection that is new and exciting for them to wonder about for a time. Then, after a couple of years, they begin to complain that I don't care, I'm too easy, or even they find it difficult when I'm capturing another subject. Paul shrugged. My work is my lover, I suppose. So do you get lonely? Trixie asked. Paul sat with the question. I don't feel lonely here, he replied. I'm learning how much the personal dynamics and all the nuances that are exchanged matter. So do you want a family of your own? Trixie asked. Paul felt a strong emotional pull. I don't want to fuck someone up. I, I don't know if I could protect them from all the shit that happens in the world. Tony wondered, so it sounds like you feel guilty about not being able to prevent what might happen, like it would be your fault for causing pain, he asked. Reginald added, I'm feeling upset and worried for you, Paul, and I'm feeling a little guilty sitting here in my suit and being a representative for who you think killed your friend, the man, as you say. We're not all money-hungry, you know. It's just a way to protect my family, Reginald shared. Yeah, I know, Reg. I, I can see we're more alike than not in that regard. I suppose I'm not as brave as you, really. You took the step to have a family, and money is how you fight for them, protect them. Dolly has her own protective rules. She's beginning to stretch. Tony has all these sick kids, he says. Helena did her best to protect her kids and her husband and is now protecting herself after all these years. And Trixie is finding her own reflection. She can see the mask and is taking the chance. She's beautiful and stepping out, stronger and braver than before. And I'm under the radar, staying safe from being burdened by responsibility. I've copped out, I suppose, too gutless to take a chance with my heart. I want to cause no pain, Paul shared. Nova responded, Paul, what you're sharing is important for the group to know about you. Although your relaxed demeanor seems appealing in many ways, it skews others' understanding of how you experience the world and what stays beyond your reach just now in relation to intimate relationships. When you talk so passionately about the injustices of the world, it minimizes and even trivializes day-to-day -day struggles, almost as if it seems there's no room for private joy in the face of all that's wrong. When one compares philosophical positions about how you experience life 
to others. It almost cancels out your options to bring new experiences into your world, Nova shared. Paul nodded as he looked about at everyone. I don't know how you all do it, really. For all the difficulties you have, you're much braver than I am. Trixie, I, I suppose you're right. I'm lonely, but scared to attach, to fight for what I want, Paul said. Trixie felt for Paul. So how does being here help, she asked. Paul looked at everyone with kindness. You show me how not staying under the radar is worth it. It's not perfect, but you're all alive despite the pain. Your lives are all rich in so many ways, Paul replied. I remember Nova calling it risking on purpose, he said. Just like you are all doing, just being here and showing and sharing yourselves is my first step to ask for more from myself and listen to what matters when you join the relationship game. The group felt heavy-hearted by Paul's philosophy. He had held himself from connecting intimately with any one person for many years. His belief was that by not having a family of his own, he would be providing the ultimate protection. His fantasized about family could never be harmed or suffer pain. He could not be held responsible for harming another precious life. Yet, after all Paul had given up, the worst happened, and Dave died. They heard Paul felt responsible, guilty. They heard him struggle with fearing he had been selfish after trying so hard to tread lightly in others' worlds. Paul's words had resonated deeply with Dolly, and she was starting to feel different things than she had in such a long time, per perhaps ever. It was new ground. Dolly turned to Helena. Helena, she paused a moment. Helena, I think everyone is getting to know something more about me that you don't know. And well, I was angry with you when you said something came up. I felt worried for you when you didn't come to group. We all did. I suppose I felt like my care was just fobbed off by you. It's true I do play what Paul calls tit-for-tat. I need to respect your right to determine things for yourself and not have me critical of your choice. Something came up should be enough just to accept it as it is. I know you would have been here if you could. I suppose this space is becoming more important to me than I realized. Dolly paused for a moment as she looked around at the group then back to Helena. So the name Dolly is a nickname my mother gave me as a punishment. Ugly Dolly, actually. Anyway, Dolly stuck. My real name is Anne. That's what Paul was referring to earlier tonight. He was implying Anne was the freer, funnier me that wasn't so critical when I was a kid. Dolly looked at everyone, feeling childish now for holding her truth back from Helena to hurt her or cause her a sense of difference in the group. I don't want to isolate you or make others feel I can't speak freely about what's shared in here. I'm learning I'm bossy, I'm blunt, I know, and well, I want to feed you all more than just crackers too. Dolly smiled apologetically. Helena nodded. Thanks, Dolly. I was feeling like I deserved it for not being here. The same kind of thing happens in my family, you know. Too many half-truths and secrets. Thanks, Dolly. 
It means a lot to me to be included. Are we trying to call you Anne now? She asked. And Dolly looked at everyone. Dolly is my name. It will do at least for now. Paul beamed with surprise. Wow, Dolly, how do you feel? Dolly looked about sheepishly. Yes, good. I'm glad Helena and you all are giving me the time it's going to take. I mean, I'm always going to be me. I just want to be a bigger me, that's all, Dolly shared. Trixie felt happy for Dolly's words, but was feeling competing emotions of jealousy begin to stir in her as she looked at Paul's acceptance of Dolly without criticism. Tony nodded. Uh, I, I can't tell you the huge nut that has released in my stomach about how this was going to play out. I wondered about how we were meant to negotiate this secret. Oh, I feel relieved, Tony exclaimed. Nova listened to the group's collective sigh of relief. Okay, that's interesting, Tony. You thought, and perhaps the rest of you believed, Dolly had withdrawn permission for you to talk freely about what happened in group the week Helena was away. She asked, looking about. This group does not work that way. No one has the control over what is spoken about in group. If it is shared, seen, felt, or wondered about, it is open to be discussed. We do not have the control over who knows what, depending on likability at the time or any other kind of transference. The group must have the freedom to wonder and express whatever comes to mind. Of course, you all have the freedom to choose not to share whatever you are uncomfortable with, and likewise, you do not have the control to edit others, depending on your mood, favorites, or otherwise. The group owns and respects all utterances and wonderments, thoughts and feelings that are shared as unique experiences to know more about yourself and each other. Nova looked about as the group nodded, understanding more about their process. Nova continued, you all hold your own experience as well as a shared history of what happens here. You may refer to any and all past sessions if something comes to mind about what someone said, how you felt, what you now think about something that perhaps caught you off guard, but you're now more easy with, or otherwise. Nothing is lost in group. Your memories of past sessions are useful for you to ponder as you sense yourself shifting and growing in new ways. Reginald cleared his throat. I know we're finishing, Nova, but can I just add, I was feeling all kinds of emotions when Paul was talking about the man and money. Well, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry you lost your friend, Paul. That's all, Reg said, wiping his eyes as he understood something about the guilt Paul was holding. Thank you for your attendance and ability to go to difficult places, as always. This concludes tonight's session. Nova said, gesturing the end as she clasped her hands together and nodded goodnight to all the participants.